Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining me today. I am fired up. We're talking about one of my favorite, favorite topics in basketball, shooting with one of my favorite shooting coaches, Greg Mitchell, Hope College men's basketball coach. And there's really two people that have influenced shooting in my life the most. And that's my dad and that's Coach Mitchell. Now, my dad helped me out a ton as a youth player coming all the way up. Coach Mitchell, I met much later in my life. So his impact has been very much on how I teach, how I coach, how I think about shooting, how I try to break it down. He's made me a much better teacher by listening to his stuff. And he's not only a person that can break down and explain shooting, he's also somebody that can do it. You can bring him out on the court right now and he can get it done. He has the highest single season and career three-point percentage at Hope College. You think of all the great shooters that have gone through there. That's really, really impressive. And he was doing that when the three-point line was brand new, which I think makes it even more impressive because it wasn't a shot that was truly, truly practiced like it is now. So for him to be able to shoot the basketball like that, explain shooting like that, demonstrate it at a high level, to me just means so much. He is a practitioner, which you have to respect. In this episode, we dig into some of the technique. We dig into the mental side. We talk about not trying to copy somebody else's shot, but master the common characteristics that lead to success. We also talk about the age old question of chain nets or nylon nets and much, much more. So if you like shooting, you're gonna enjoy this episode. You know somebody else that likes shooting, be sure to share this episode out with him. I'm fired up uh, to get into this. Special thank you to Coach Mitchell for spending the time to be on the show. And if you really like it, a positive rating review will go a really long way. Thank you. Let's get to the show. Before we get to the show, I want to let you know that coachesedge.coach is live and now accepting new members now until the end of October 2021. We're rolling into basketball season with all of our current members. We're continuing to add new members and then we'll shut it down before basketball season hits and we're rolling. We're going together. We had Coach Fretz on last week. He's a Coach's Edge member. We have Coach Mitchell on this week from Hope College. He is a Coach's Edge member. And we have a great community of coaches that are hungry to keep getting better, accessing coachesedge.coach to make their coaching life easier, more efficient, essentially like having a, a virtual or digital assistant coach on staff where you can access drills and plays. You have another person or people, I should say, who are able to check out game film for you, are able to communicate back and forth to give you practice plan ideas, especially when it comes to some of our coaches at meetings that we have twice a month. All of that and much more available at coachesedge.coach, but it will not be open for long. So go to coachesedge.coach. You can check the description below to register, to become a member. If you have any questions, let me know at coachesedge1 on Twitter, contact at creamerbasketball.com. Let's get to the show. Warm Coaches Edge, welcome to Greg Mitchell, Hope College men's basketball coach. And um, as I've mentioned before, somebody that I look up to um, as kind of a distant mentor, but when it comes to shooting the basketball, probably my favorite shooting coach. And coach, I know you're not a quote unquote shooting coach. You're a college basketball coach, 25 years coaching at the, at the high school level. Um, 
but every time I hear you speak about shooting, I can feel your, your passion and the things that you touch on, um, I don't think are touched on enough. And so I'm really excited to shed some light on shooting the basketball. I know you're going to help a lot of coaches listening to this episode. So, uh, thanks for being on the show and, and thanks for talking about shooting with us. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, love your work and, uh, you know, um, I love to shoot the ball. Love to love to shoot it still today. I love to coach shooting. Uh, I love the results that present themselves to you. And uh, it's it's great to help uh, you know help people understand their shot and, and and improve their shot. So this will be a good time. And you're a very humble guest because you still have the highest career shooting percentage in Hope College history and in season percentage shoot in uh, Hope College history absolutely could could stroke the basketball and and still can't so uh, we're, we're learning from somebody who can not only teach it but can demonstrate it and, and do it which is really really exciting especially in my line of work as well so a player when I was at your camp you talked about a handful of, of areas but the thing that really stuck out to me is you said you need to know your shot a player needs to know their shot can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the longer I've worked with kids, uh, first of all, I think it's something I kind of obsessed about when I was growing up. And, um, and, and I'm glad I did because I think too many times we take it for granted and, and you know, we just want guys to shoot and, and, you know, have your better players shoot more. But I just think they're missing the boat on accuracy and percentages when they don't understand their shots. So, I guess what I mean from that is, you know, we, we can't really, we can learn from other shooters, but we can't copy anybody else. I, I could say I want to shoot like JJ Redick or Mark Price or, you know, whoever when I was a little bit younger, um, but I can learn from them. And I, I think the key is we're all built so uniquely that we can't, um, we can't copy anybody else. We have to understand ourselves first. So, and you and I have talked about this before because, um, you know, I consider you a, a, a great shooter and I, and I think I can shoot it okay but our shots are different. You know, you have a higher release point. You're, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, flexion and flexibility in our wrists and our shoulders and, and how that's going to dictate how you shoot the basketball. And so, yeah, we're built differently. It's, it's vital that we really understand that, that we, um, that we know that all these contributing factors go into our shot and we can't obsess ourselves with a thousand things because we certainly want to keep the brain pretty empty when we shoot. But yet when you're working on your shot and you're developing your shot and you're in the lab, so to speak, I think the more you understand these contributing factors, um, the, the better chance you have to obviously be accurate. And, you know, a great shooter knows as soon as the ball is out of his hands or her hands, if that thing's going in or not. If you don't have that feeling, then I don't think you know your shot. If you don't know your shot, then I think you're, you're guessing to some level. And so putting that time into the fundamental understanding of it with all the things from your feet to your body, to your rhythm, hand positioning, et cetera. Um, the more you, you know it and you understand it, they contribute to the success or failure of your result. I just think that's, that's really critical. And, and there are a bunch of things that go into it. Um, and you just have to understand that they're all linked and they all matter. And sometimes you can take some of them for granted, others that you cannot. But um, I think that's the fun part of shooting because as a coach, I'll try to find that one or two little bitty nuggets that can really determine a, a, a player's improved success rate. And um, 
and that's the fun part of, of coaching shooting, in my opinion. How did you get such a passion for shooting the basketball? Like everybody has a thing that may be their favorite, but how did it become shooting for you? Um, well, I mean, I, I love the game of basketball. My dad was a college player. I was the youngest of five kids. You know, my, my brother was 10 years older. I idolized him. He was a, a really good shooter. Again, my dad was a good shooter, uh, kind of had that Indiana uh, tradition. We we're all born in Indiana. And so we just kind of, I don't know, it was just something that was what we did in our family. My two of my three sisters played hoop. So I grew up in a gym, um, admired my high school coach. Uh, he loved to talk about shooting. He was a very confident uh, coach when he talked about himself when he, he played at Mason High School. And he always cracked me up because he was a very arrogant shooter. Like he would tell you how great he was, but yet he would also tell you how to shoot the ball. And I became obsessed at a very early age with him in the detail and how you hold the ball. And, and, and honestly, to me, it's just such a great immediate result. Uh, I, I love you know, it's the, probably the most notable part of basketball, shooting the basketball. I mean, your goal is to score, right? So at a young age, I just, I loved shooting. I loved hanging the net over the rim or the sound a swish would make or whatever. And um, I just wanted to do it more and more and more. And there were no video games when I was a kid. So I was just in the driveway shooting all the time. And thankfully, I grew up in a very successful um, program with with Okemos and the program that coach Stoltz built and I wanted to be a shooter on his team and so I figured the more I practiced the better chance I would have of playing for him on on Tuesdays and Friday nights and and uh and it worked for me that's awesome to hear what are some of the key fundamentals for a coach who's trying to improve the shooting within their program mm-hmm. I mean there's there's uh, I mean there's you know part of me wants to just go like individually mechanical and talk about all the things that go into a shot, which, you know, well, let's, again, you let, and I have... let me stop you right there because yeah. I think, I think this is, we'll come back to that question. You just asked as okay. you brought that up again. Let's talk about that. Talk about some of the, the differences and, and you, even at shooting camp last week, you talked about some of the differences and like wrist flexion and a listener might not know exactly what you and I are talking about right now. Can you kind of give an example? Yeah, and I, and I was a little scatterbrained last week. That probably was not one of my better uh, coaching performances, to be honest, completely honest. I, I wanted to, uh, you know, get to our drill work. But I think when I think about it and take my time with it, you know, it, it just starts from the bottom up. And, and we have talked at length about balanced feet. You know, you, you, it all starts there. Your base is critical. Um, I, I see too many guys miss their shot because their feet aren't organized. But, you know, I go kind of down the list, uh, you know, just – Hey, how you're holding the ball, the correct hand position is, is critical. Um, coaches need to understand that the shooting pocket is critical for, for players. You know, some need a longer shooting pocket because of they need to generate power. And you'll get some coaches that, you know, want players. I see, especially when girls are taught that, you know, coaches will teach them to catch the ball on their chest and they go from chest up. And, uh, you know, I, yes, it's a quicker shot, but is it powerful? Does it allow them to shoot with flow? You know, I, I would question that. And keeping the ball on one track, you know, we, uh, people don't understand that. Maybe they could look at Alonzo Ball. That the, the basketball kind of goes in a diagonal track across his face, and that's just counterproductive to consistency. So we want the ball to remain on one track. And I know you and I talk a lot about uh, you know making sure you find that your hand under the ball at the top of your shot is is an absolutely critical piece for coaches to understand. Um, you know that's the point where we go up and out from, and um, you know the, the rhythm 
piece, you know, making sure we're releasing on the rise just before we get to the, the crest of our jump where the power is working for us is, is absolutely imperative. Um, and I guess the other thing I, I, I put a lot of time into is the guide hand. I just, I'm really picky where the hand is on the ball. I'm really picky how, how long it's involved in the shot. Uh, I think it should stay with your release. Uh, and I love, I learned from you um, a few years ago of, you know, making sure the inside of your guide hand is looking at the inside of your shooting wrist. You can actually tap it when you're done. It's, it's, it's guiding the ball through the length of your release, but yet there's, there's minimal to no movement. Obviously your thumb's not flicking it, your hand's not going through the ball, but it is guiding it aggressively. And I think that's a critical, critical piece. Um, if I could spend 30 seconds on that, if uh, on the guide hand, I, you know, I remember when I was taught as a kid, you know, have those wrist wrinkles on your right hand, your shooting hand. You can see when your hand is cocked at the top of your shot, you've got those nice wrist wrinkles. Well, I'm a believer that that happens on your guide hand too. I, I don't know if it was watching Glenn Rice shoot way back in the day or Sean Resp or somebody, but I really liked how their, their guide hand arm, their elbow was actually flexed out a little bit. And, you know, when you, when you do that, rather than relaxing your arm straight down your guide arm, create those wrist wrinkles in your left side too. It puts pressure on the ball. And to me, it guides it tighter. It, it keeps it tighter in that shooting pocket. And for me, when I, when I miss shots, that's one of the first things I think about is my guide hand is, did I, you know, move my elbow up just a little bit higher and, and really put pressure into the ball so my right hand can do what it does consistently. I think that's a really important thing. Um, you know, it doesn't influence the ball flight, but it certainly locks it in. And then, and then to finish, you know, full extension of the elbow, index, middle finger finish. I'm a huge believer in that. Hold your follow through, admire your follow through like a, like a golfer with a golf swing, uh, especially when you're in the lab shooting in practice, really exaggerate your follow through. And then I, again, I like to drop both hands together, which I think you're a, you're a believer in that as well. So that's kind of like a, a quick little checklist um, that I like to go through individually with my players. And, and then again, maybe one or two of those things isn't great. And that's what we would kind of focus on. But if it's a laundry list of, of flaws, then, then it, it takes a little while. You got to kind of pick and choose what you want to work with kids and players because, you know, you can't, analysis can lead to paralysis of course as we know but I do think all those things matter sure I mean if if you're a coach listening you clicked on this to learn a little bit more about shooting rewind the last three minutes or so and just listen again to some of those keys to shooting the basketball and um, you know and then, and then think about them the next time that you're working with one of your players and you know do they check all of those, those boxes. And, and it's, it's this compliment that I love talking with shooting with you so much about is, is you have these things that these characteristics that we want to have, but at the same time, we're not copying somebody else, mm -hmm. right? You know, you might be six foot tall with a six foot wingspan and another person might be six foot tall with a six, five wingspan and, and just different kind of body oriented, you're just going to generate power and rhythm and that shot's going to look a little bit different and that's okay. And um, mm -hmm. the one thing you talked about hand underneath the ball, which is huge. I mean, I don't know about you, you can dig into this as well, but um, as you, as you walk through these, I think of the players that I work with and we focus on shooting on shooting the basketball. And especially if I'm working with a player for the first time, one thing that I don't always see is hand underneath the ball. 
before that motion goes through the hoop. See a lot of pushing, a lot of palm kind of behind. It's more of a, almost like a push slash, like if you were throwing a dart instead of getting up and out. Yeah, um, it's a good, yeah. And then the other one is the, the guide hand. I mean, I still see if, if I go with players and I'm, I, I'm, I'm learning from them. A lot of times, the first time I work out with a player, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to learn more from you today than, than you're going to learn from me. I want to see what you've sure. got and what your shot looks like. Um, and I'm still surprised at how many players will just do the one hand shooting and nothing at all with the guide hand. And then mm-hmm. when they take their game speed shots, their guide hand is just, you know, they're like crossing arms or you uh-huh. know, crazy wrist and side spin on the ball and all these different things. And um, I think it's, it needs to be more of a point of emphasis among coaches that that is one of the key pieces that helps guide our shot, guide I, hand, I, keeping yep. the ball straight. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's, it's funny. I, I actually, I think it's something I really truly learned after I graduated college. I, I, I thought I became a little better shooter in rec leagues and because I, I don't know, I studied a little, maybe when I started coaching clinics and I, I really noticed that feeling because it's a feel like I'm a huge believer in feel. If you can't feel your shot, it's that whole knowing your shot piece. Um, you know, when you're missing a couple shots, you know, why are you missing it? And what, what's bringing you back to success? And I think there is a feel and like, it's, to me, like for me personally, it's, it's index middle down, you know, I've got to, that's got to touch it last when I extend my elbow and or it's my guide hand. And I the, the longer I shot, it really ended up being my guide. And I could mechanically get through my progressions, my rhythm and my flow and my release, my right hand pretty much takes care of itself. But if I would concentrate on my left and tighten that up, for me, it, it was a huge difference. And I think it I think it makes a big difference too in the different gyms, the different backgrounds that you play in because it, it plays with the mind, right? I mean, you, you know, you've played in cavernous. Gyms. Oh, this is you've a great in, point. This is good. In, yeah. In a, in a gym where the wall is right behind the, the backboard and it, it changes your depth perception That's more true. than anything. <laughs> and if you can feel your shot, if you can go back to what, you know, it will, it will totally change the difference in your result. Um, and, and I think that's a critical thing that players, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, in the final four players struggle initially in those, in those domed arenas that they haven't played in all year. I mean, and maybe it has something to do with that mentality. I, I don't know, but I, I think it is a, a contributing factor for sure. Super interesting. I mean, um, what are some of the common mistakes that you see players make with their shot? And I kind of mentioned a couple of mine already with, with the hand underneath the ball. I don't see it all the time in the guide hand. What are some of the mistakes that you see? Yeah. I mean, they, they certainly relate to, you know, the stuff that you and I have hit on. I think that obviously the guide hand influence, I think they thumb the ball too many guys thumb the ball and that's hard to, it, l- let me stop there. Cause in case Ty George happens to listen to this podcast, uh, Ty George plays for hope and he's our most prolific shooter right now. He's a phenomenal shooter. And he is a big time thumber. Like he, I've never corrected his shot, nor would I, because he's a great shooter. And there are great two-handed shooters, right? You, you've seen them over the years, whether it's a Reggie Miller or Larry Bird had a very unique release and, and, and there are others. Um, but I think with young shooters who are inconsistent, if they're a thumber, that to me, it, it, it affects the consistency and arc. It affects the, the, how the ball tracks down the, the middle. Um, that's my biggest thing. I think the next one is probably just a lack of rhythm. They don't have the flow. You know, they don't, 
um, their their arms and legs aren't timed together. You know, either the ball is is ahead of their legs, or it's late and it just doesn't have that one fluid motion. You know, we often call that a hitch. Um, you know, some guys shoot from the ground or girls shoot from the ground. They're not really shooting after they elevate, and um, so that's a that's a big piece. I think feet. You know, just lack of shot preparation, lack of being ready when your feet aren't organized and you still shoot it. I just think that's a it's an awful shot in honest, in all honesty. And I, and then I think, again, this is goes back to knowing your shot because, you know, I'll use Kobe or, um, you know, Steph or Trey Young or LeBron, all, all pretty good shooters, right. But all, all different shooters, you know, Kobe and, and Steph and Trey Young, for example, can shoot these very fast athletic off balance shots. And then I'll think like I'm more of a, a Duncan Robinson, Mark Price, Clay Thompson, where feet are set, very organized, very repetitious. And the key is those last three guys really know that they're not like the first three. You know, they understand that they're far less athletic. And so they've got to be more obsessed with fundamentals and being ready before they shoot it, before they have the ball, excuse me. And then they have a chance to be successful. But I mean, Steph, you know, Kobe shoot, give them the ball, get out of the way that, you know, and, and I think you're a lot like that in all honesty, you're so much more athletic with a higher release and a great vert. Um, you can shoot shots that other guys can't shoot. And so I guess maybe the last thing I would say is um, the breakdown oftentimes is, is from a percentage standpoint, you're not shooting the shot that you can percent, you know, you can make it at a high percentage. And so I was, I knew at a very young age that I was simple. Like I was not blessed with an amazing vert. Uh, my handles are very limited. I needed a team concept and I needed, I needed to take shots before I got the ball. In other words, I had to be ready before I had the basketball so I could do, you know, kind of a, a very simple form piece. And I think that's very important that, that players understand that. And when they don't understand it and they continue to shoot, you know, that's when the bench has to teach them the ultimate lesson because they're, they're not, that's, that's not enhancing our team's success. So again, kind of goes back to knowing your shot again, I guess. Knowing your shot, knowing some of your, your body type and some of your, your characteristics and, uh, you know, for anybody, regardless of, you know, talent, athleticism, size, strength, the more you can make your shot easily repeatable, the correct, the better off things you're going to be. And, and hopefully that shot is easily repeatable and has, has rhythm to it. Um, and Another one that I would add, and I, I think you touched on a little bit as well, was I see this more with girls basketball players where um, I call it more of a lock and load shot. You know, as you said, yeah. they might catch high and then they'll lift it like a couple more inches and kind of load it at the shoulder mm -hmm. and their hips are back, balls up, and then they, they push it out, but they don't have any of this lift coming through from the hips. And mm -hmm. uh, what I always tell tell our kids is like, listen, you hear a lot of coaches talk about using your legs and I'm not saying that's wrong. I think it's overused. If, if you don't incorporate your hips, hips. Which, which we get a lot of rhythm in, in our shop from our hips, you're not even getting the power from your legs and everything below it because you're just keeping your hips back. And um, so we'll, we'll see, I'll see that more so with girls where their hips are back and they get up and, and that ball comes out and I'm looking at them and say, your hips are still back. You, you haven't taken this yeah. energy and this power, this momentum and incorporated into the ball because your hips are still back and we got to get those hips, you know, back to front. And um, I mean, you, we, we, when you watch basketball, there's not a ton of leg bend 
when you shoot a ball nope. for most players, nope. unless, I mean, unless they're really like exploding really, really high up in the air. Um, it's, it's just that fluidity that we can gain a lot of power from and from our hips, we can gain a lot of power as we start to bring that ball up with our arms, which is, which is huge. I don't know if there's anything you want to add on to that. Now, I, I just think it's, I totally agree with you. And I think it's, it's under coach and, and I probably don't emphasize it enough. I'll, I'll, um, my default will be the rhythm piece and, and the flow and I'll, you know, but I don't, I, I don't talk enough about the hips, but as soon as you say that, when that does impede the flow is when the hips remain back and they don't, you know, they don't finish what they've invested in, you know, to whatever depth they, they go down and load, if they don't unload it and, and extend it to hips, it's counterproductive. And I would say it's hard to be consistent. You know, how do you stop your flow consistently at that same rate? If you extend your hips, just like if you extend your, your follow through, shoot, you can do that 100% and repeat that. And therein lies the, the, the chance for optimal success. So, but and I, I completely agree. And I think it's under coached, under focused upon. Um, and I think you're right, you know, having raised three daughters um, uh, and, and they all, they all hooped, um, you know, they, they were able to, you know, I, I was able to teach them kind of that flow piece. And I think they all were pretty decent shooters um, because they had that flow and they did extend their hips, but boy, so many times you're right. The shoulder shooters, that, that little, that little hitch, uh, they kind of pause, a little rest area, and then let it go from there. It's just it's disruptive. Could you talk a little bit about the the lift and the and the jump? And you can feel free to use me as an example. Um, but I changed my shot between my sophomore and my junior year of college, where I said I'm not going to jump as high anymore on my shot, and mm -hmm. um, because it was always, you know my dad was a really, really good high school basketball player. And he, he always said, you know, jump and shoot it at the peak of your shot. And it, I mean, this was, you know, we, I mean, you're, you're watching Jordan play and that's how he shot it. Just elevate, yep. hang. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to shoot it like Jordan and just really worked <laughs> on jumping up, elevating, shooting it at the peak. And, um, but I remember having a conversation with one of my teammates and him talking about like, you you jump kind of too high when you shoot it. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And then I started to think about it where, you know, the higher, the longer you're in the air, the more time there is to release it. And it's not timed up and in rhythm exactly. with the rest of, of your release. So I started to think about this. And so that year I, I changed my shot. Now I smashed my finger, but if you go look at the stats, there's one year where I think I shot less than 40% from three in college, it was the year that I made the change. And, yeah. you know, um, and then the next year I was back up again because um, yeah. it took a long time. That's how I shot it my whole life. Um, but shooting it that way, I knew if I wanted to become, take my shooting to an even higher level, you are going to see it in the stats but you're going to be able to see it in the consistency of, exactly. okay, we played a long game and the guys are, you know, denying me the ball and I got to knock down this three with, you know, a couple minutes left in the game. I'm going to have the legs to be able to take that shot. Um, have you thought about that? Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Cause you and I have very, like, I tried to shoot it honestly a little bit more like you shoot it now. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, you're spot on. And I, I talk about this, often and i'll you know i'll typically use kobe as the example um higher release you know arm angle is elevated 
legs kick out in front of him, that equal and opposite reaction. He holds onto the ball a little bit too long. I'm going to say too long. Here I'm going to criticize Kobe, right? What, what a fool I am. But again, this is the difference between, you know, understanding who you are. There, there's one Kobe, you know, there was one Michael, I guess, right? And um, I would say though, over time, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. There's more time to find flaws when you're a real high, powerful, vertical jumper, jump shooter. And there's a reason why there aren't very many of them. Uh, you know, the best three-point shooters ever are, you know, pretty much flow guys that shoot on the rise, that um, their body remains pretty doggone straight. The whole body moves forward, but they don't lean. They don't leg kick. Um, it just has that nice flow. So, like, for me, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I was – you know, I wasn't crazy athletic, so I had to shoot that way. I couldn't hang. Um, I did try to copy it. It's funny you would say that. I tried to copy a guy. Uh, Mark Abraham was an all-state player at Oklahoma, who was a year ahead of me, and he had a real high release, super explosive athlete, all-state in three sports, went to Michigan State on a baseball scholarship, unbelievable athlete. So one month in a summer, I tried to emulate him because he was a better shooter than me, and I had this high release, and I and I remember seeing Coach Stoltz on the side. And I go, what the heck is Mitchell doing? You know, because I, I tried to become something I was not. And it, it didn't work. I knew I'd displease my coach. And so I went right back to, to being kind of granola and simple. And, and it, was, it was an experiment, but it was the right thing to do, just go back to, to who I am. So I think it's a, a critical thing. I've got a, a player on my roster right now, Evan Thomas, who's a, a phenomenal athlete, incredible leaper. His timing on his jump shot is is not where it needs to be. We've worked on it, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to make that change once you've done something for the bulk of your career. Um, and he actually, again, is, is similar to you in that he can get from A to B in, in mid-range area and just leave the ground and, you know, have a sandwich and shoot on the way down, and, and he's still going to have a chance to succeed. Um, I'd like to see him shoot a, a regular, normal, flowing jump shot uh, from three, he almost shoots two different ways from three and, and his pull-ups. And, and so we're just trying to find the best way to maximize his success, but it has a lot to do with this timing piece. And uh, yeah, I'm just simple is more repeatable and it has a little more consistency to it. But again, uh, I would never change Kobe's shot. I would never change Michael's shot. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about sustainability Long games, is that shot something you rely on late game when you've really invested in, in a 40-minute uh, workout commitment? And then you gotta, you got to have your legs under you to, to, to hit a game-winning shot from deep. Absolutely. And I, I, I will say, and I think we see it as we – it's so fun to look at players and their shots and then look at what their certain strengths are. And like mm-hmm. the, mid, the mid-range for Jordan, the mid-range for Kobe being such a skill. And I also remember this from college where, you know, there may have been somebody close to me, but I don't even see him. I don't, I don't feel like to me, they're not right. They're not around, you know, you know, as you're, you're getting up into that shot because you just generally have more lift where, you know, on, on a pull up at a 15 footer, if you didn't shoot it that way, you're not even getting that, that shot off. Nope. Um, and I remember talking with my dad when the Pistons were good and the, you know, the Pistons went in 04 you know, so I'm about halfway through through college or the shoot that would have been actually after my freshman year. And he's starting to have this conversation with me as well. He's like, listen, when you watch Chauncey Billups play, he shoots it two different ways when he's open. Yeah. And when he's from three, it's just rhythm. It's fluid. 
it lifts out of there. He's like, you need that shot from three. But there's times when Chauncey would post guys up, right? He was a post-up guy, um, or he'll get into his mid-range and pull up, and he'll get off the floor because he's still super athletic and strong. He's like, you need to work on shooting it two different ways. And uh, I know that's probably a dangerous thing for 99% probably of, of players. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a conversation that my dad and I had. And, you know, yeah. I played basketball long enough. I was able to, to pull it off. But it's just an interesting piece to think about. Well, I appreciate that, too, because, you know, like Evan is a very talented kid. I don't want to overcoach him. You know, I want to get out of his way half the time. And I think he's one of those guys that, that shoots it two different ways. And I think that's healthy because I think much like you um, and, and a Kobe Jordan type, you know, get to the lane, especially in late clock situations, just get someplace and elevate and you know your shot can't be blocked. You've got a natural leg kick, you got a high release. Um, Evan's the same way. And I, I can only dream of having that skill set. I think the one byproduct of that, which I think um, – I think a really important tool I, I stole from the Michael Kobe camp was the index finger piece. I remember reading an article a long time ago. It was, I think it was called the magic finger. And it was this long document um, that was about Kobe. And it was really about the most important part of his shot was his index finger release, not just index middle, but index finger. And so I think when you shoot some off balance shots or leaners or in traffic, you know, if that ball comes off your index finger, even if you don't extend your arm, it's still going to go straight. And I think that was a really important piece. If you look at Michael and Kobe, they were tremendously dedicated to that index finger finish. Um, and so I, I can't shoot like those guys, but I can shoot a rhythm shot that's on the rise that, that my index does touch at last because I'm a firm believer and that's what makes the ball, you know, center to the hoop is that index finger finish. And, and yes, the middle's long, longer. So the middle's going to touch it probably the same, but I like in the brain, the index finger. And that's what I, I remember reading from an article and watching those two guys shoot the rock. I think that really helped their leaning degree of difficulty shots go in is how it came off their hand, which I think was a, a really important piece. That's it's huge because I mean, what's the most important part of shooting is keeping the ball straight. I mean, it's got to come, mm-hmm. it's got to come straight. And if, I mean, right. you can have the right arc and you can have all these different aspects of your shot. If that ball's not straight, no chance. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's huge, huge information. And, and we watch some of those Kobe highlights and I mean, he really snaps that pointer finger through and his follow through. It's really uh, pretty to pretty to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, coach, you were, you were a shooter. You've played with, you know, Eric Elliott was a teammate of yours, the GOAT, yep. I like to call him. Um, you, you, you've, you've, you've coached, you know, for, for decades. You've seen a ton of excellent, prolific shooters. What are some things that they have in common? Um, I mean, there's several things. I think, first of all, they love to shoot. I mean, you're right. You know, they, they love to shoot. They love to work. Um, you know, I think each of those guys, and I've been around some great ones, I think, you know, Eric was a, I agree. I mean, like he was the greatest guard ever played in MIAA and, and it's because he worked, he worked every single day. I think, you know, first of all, the, the great shooters don't take days off. Like they just, they're, they're working every single day. It's an everyday commitment. So that's one thing they definitely have in common is if they put in the time, I think, um, you know, the other thing is they're just consistent, like from a mechanical piece, they're consistent. Now, Eric shot differently than, 
you know, Chad Carlson, who I coached for three years, he's on my staff right now. He's the all-time leader in three-pointers made in Hope history. His shot is so consistent, it's unbelievable. Little lefty, you know, five feet, seven inches tall. He had to work really hard just to get his shot off. But the way that ball comes out of his hand, I think he has the prettiest ball flight of any player I've ever seen. And it, it's still amazing. He's mechanically consistent. Every shot he takes looks like it deserves to go in. Um, I, I think great shooters, all these guys are confident shooters. And I think that's that's that play present mentality we had talked about, right? They, they believe and know the next shot is going in. We all have short-term memories because if we miss, it doesn't matter because the next one's going in, you know, they, they're, they're confident. Um, and, you know, I think, um, you know, if you're mechanically consistent, that's great. So then when you go in to work, you go in to work out, you have a plan. Like you go in to take game shots. Uh, you know, Jason Beckman was a great shooter at Hope that I had the privilege of, of coaching. Uh, he transferred in from Alma. And I've never seen a player work so doggone hard um, in practice, in workouts, on his game, and making sure every shot he took was game speed. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It, there's a reason why he could outrun everybody because his drills were always full court. They were game shots in transition constantly. So he was always prepared for game situations because of how he practiced with the plan. Um, and I, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say all these guys knew their shot. Like when we miss shots, you know why. And so, you know, if you're detail oriented, you understand your shot. Well, Hey, I, I, I know how to make the next one go in. Um, I guess a, a couple of the things as we look at how it applies to games, because I think it really matters. I think, um, and I was a percentage shooter. So, shot selection was really important for me. And so I think the great shooters are always ready to shoot. And then of course, in hand in hand with that is understanding that I'm only gonna take great shots. I wasn't a guy that forced shots, uh, you know, Coach Van Waren, I, I'm so old that, that, you know, my freshman year, we didn't have a three point line. So I, you know, Christmas came my sophomore year uh, when the three point line was painted. And he wasn't exactly sure how to embrace that. That is line. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So with him, like, I felt like I had to make half of them. Otherwise, I was coming out. Yeah. I, I yeah. True. So my workouts were always, I got to make 80% in practice so I can make 50% in games. Otherwise, I was going to sit next to him because that three-point line freaked him out, you know. But uh, I do think that's really critical is that great shooters understand their shot and then obviously – take the right shot in, in game situations. But I would say those are, are attributes that all those guys have in common. Man, I, I love that. Again, if you're listening and you wanted to learn more about shooting the basketball, rewind the past couple minutes because, you know, well, we, when, it, when it comes down to it, we want to know what great shooters have in common. And it's not just that checklist, which was awesome, that Coach mentioned in the beginning, but it's also – I, the, the mentality, the work ethic, the consistency, uh, the confidence level. And I'm glad we brought up shot selection. I mean, that is huge, huge. I mean, I, I can tell you, there were teammates that uh, I played with overseas who, when we were in practice and we would do, you know, we had shooting practice, right? We had our regular practice and then we had another practice that was, that was just shooting practice and they would outshoot me. But during, you know, the year I'd, generally had a higher field goal percentage because shot selection, man. I mean, shot selection is, is so, so vital of knowing what your shot is, when your shot is time and score and, and all these different things are, are so, so huge. Um, 
So I love that you you brought up that uh, as well. Um, Coach, anything else with with shooting that you wanted to emphasize for any of our listeners? This has been this has been awesome. I, I think the the one other thing I might have mentioned it uh, at our clinic, but I don't think I mentioned it uh, in, in this thing. Um, you know, eye dominance I think makes a difference. It really does. I think it's important that that we sometimes need to understand that if we're like I'm, for example, I'm a left eye dominant, like overly left eye dominant. I was born cross eyed. And I'd never realized I had a vision issue until I played middle school football. And I had a, a face mask with a bar down the center and I was a receiver. And I'm like, I had to turn my head completely to the right to catch a pass because that bar was in the way of my right eye. Cause I didn't use my right eye. I, it was, it was weak. Um, I can see out of it, but I muscular wise, I don't use it. So how it relates to shooting is if I'm a right-handed shooter, I'm a left eye dominant shooter that I'm lucky because I get to look, you know, underneath in between my guide hand and my shooting arm, I can see the rim with a left eye dominant vision. But if you're a right eye, right dominant, right eye dominant, right-handed shooter, that can become a major problem, you know, because your right arm might be in the way of the rim of your target. So either you got to bring the ball higher or you got to go Lonzo ball and go left cheek. Um, and I think understanding that is really important. And I think obviously you want your vision you know, unobstructed, you want to be able to focus on your target. So your depth perception, depth perception can take care of itself. But if the rim is kind of moving because the ball crosses your vision, your sight of uh, a vision, and all of a sudden your, your dominant eye is affected, it, it can make a difference. So just knowing that can be as a single piece that might require adjusting where you want the ball at the top of your, of your, of your uh, shooting pocket, so to speak. And, I would say some, a lot of left eye dominant right-handed shooters that have a high release point, that's probably why they have it that high. So the arm and the ball is, is you know, out of their sight line uh, to the rim. So that's one additional thing that probably is, is worth factoring in at some point. But no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, and, and I also think of, okay, I'm right, I'm right-handed, I'm right eye dominant, but that could also be why I, you know, try to lift it, you know, so I, I got to, can get that Absolutely. last peak at the rim, you know, before um, I let that basketball, that motion go to the basket. I also wonder if that's one of the reasons with you being left eye dominant, why you're so um, specific about your left hand and guide hand being yeah. out a little bit as you can get more of a peak at the rim compared to, you know, if I'm right eye dominant and I, and I just kind of have my guide Great hand, with my left hand, but it doesn't matter because that's not in my line of sight you know, and left eye dominant player might be able to look at it that way. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I really do. And I don't think it's something we focus on enough. You'll, you also notice a lot of shooters will uh, follow the flight of the ball real quickly. You know, their their chin will go up. Their weight mm. might leave mm -hmm. their shoulders going back. I, you know, sometimes that's just a habit of looking at the ball. But I also think they want to get their eyes on the rim a little bit sooner. And so when you tilt your head back, it, it lowers your eye level and, and maybe you pick up the rim a little bit sooner too. And so again, that can contribute to that because obviously we want our head stationary and, and we don't want our eyes, you know, drifting to the ball too early. But again, that could have something to do with, with eye dominance, but all, uh, all important things, little things, big difference, right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Couple, couple uh, quick questions to, to finish out coach who made the most impact on you as a basketball coach. Hmm. I, I, I got to split it. I got to say my high school coach and my college coach, because I think my, 
my love for the game was Coach Stoltz. You know, and he was um, a little bit intimidating, but man, did he love the game. And, and he he got us to put, you know, Okemos basketball in the forefront of our minds growing up. We just all wanted to play for him. And thankfully, we we had great players who understood the value of, of team. And, and again, we were able to win two state titles and get back to the, the final four my senior year as well. It was, it was amazing. But, uh, you know, Coach Nguyen deserves the other 50% of the credit because he taught me the value of, of just loving your teammates, uh, loving people more than yourself. Uh, he was such a relationship guy. And, you know, Coach Stoltz was more of, a, of an X and O uh, guy and then, and then Coach Villeneuve is more of a relationship guy, and I thought both have incredible value. And uh, I'm not perfect at either, but I, I certainly try to use both of those coaching styles in in the choices that I make. And you know, I, I, those two, without question, were tremendously influential for me. Uh, it's great to hear everybody's story and you know how they kind of fell in love with the game and who impacted them. I think that's that's really powerful. Um, to hear and important for us to acknowledge those people as well, so, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, um, I, I gotta I gotta say one more thing because if my high school coach ever listens to this podcast, I think I call him <laughs> I think I call him arrogant, and I need to qualify that because you know you know as a shooter it's that stealth arrogance that quiet arrogance you know that's mm -hmm. who he was as a player and that's how he wanted us to be, and so I, I probably said that he was arrogant he was arrogant in the exact right way you need to be as a yeah. as a player and that's why we were so confident as Oklahoma's athletes because of him. And that was a, that was a, an important piece. And I think you touched on that as well, that, uh, yeah, that, uh, that quiet arrogance is an important trait. Yeah. I think of, uh, I, I think of the word ego sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and at least for me, and I, I could be, could be way off, but you know, I, I think ego gets a bad rap. I think, I think again, similar to arrogance, like ego is bad when I start to make other people feel bad or I start to use mm -hmm. my confidence for something in a way that's negatively affecting somebody else. Um, but on the other hand, I think if you're going to be a good shooter or a really good basketball player, but you, you have to have a little bit of an ego. Like I believe in myself. I believe in this next shot and things might not be going my way. Give me the ball. I want this, this next shot. It's going in. And, you know, and, and you, you talked about kind of some of that shooters mentality and that's something that great shooters have They're They're confident. They're really, really confident. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe the most important question to finish out, Coach. Chain net or nylon net? So that's a great question. I, I like okay. Some this is this is a big deal for me. This we go on, this could be an hour-long yes. podcast or something. <laughs> so my best friend down the street had a full court. It is 45, 73 sandstone, five houses down chain nets double rims mm -hmm. chain nets double rim. double rim oh my gosh so you had to you had to be accurate right however when i went to my first michigan state basketball camp the nylon net that was super super stiff at the top so when you you'd swish it it would leave the impression of the ball you know what i mean in the back oh so that's how i, I bought one of those yeah so every time i'd leave my court at home I would leave it with that. It would have to be a swish because it would leave the kind of the ball shape in the back of the net. And to me, that was the coolest looking thing ever. I love them both. I don't know if I can 51, 49, maybe, maybe nylon over chain, but it's close. Cause I love that chain net, man. That was, that was a great thing growing up. Oh man. That's, that's, that's good to hear. No, I love, I love the story. So, I mean, you're really, 
you're really torn. I like that. I, torn. I am torn. You're I'm torn. torn. Okay. So then, cause then you can go thick cord. I, I remember playing Indiana at the at Wabash and they had these long, I mean, long nets that were those thick, like Hoosier style cords. And it was, the ball would take forever to get through it, but it would make a different sound in itself. And it was just, it was, it was long and real thick. And, uh, and of course that net can swish and hang on, on top of the rim too, which is a, mm -hmm. an entirely different attitude when you're a shooter. If you can leave that net hung, that's a pretty cool thing too. So uh, yeah, I didn't no, give you a great a answer. Point. I got ABC and, and then all the above too. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Like I, there's certain nylon nets that that hang like i mean you could swish Correct. swish swish and some of them will never never hang i don't know nope. if it's the length of the net or what kind of fiber it's made of but when you get one of those nets where that thing swishes and that net quickly it wraps around and gets hung up on the rim i mean that is beautiful that's thing. fun that's fun that's euphoria for a kid right there man um personally i'm going with the chain net because that's if we go to my grandparents house right yeah. now at the end of Vassar Road, we're playing on the chain net, and, and to hear that baby, you know, sing all the time is, I mean, that it, it's a beautiful yeah. sound, and it reminds me of home. So I got to go. Not with so bad. The that was net. my 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 the hoop next to my uh my grandma's house in Muncie, Indiana, was a chain net as well. So you go down there for Thanksgiving, and you get to shoot on the chain net, baby. Nice. Still remember that noise. That's a that's nice. a that's poetic right there. It is. It is. Well, this has been this has been awesome. Um, Coach, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. Thanks for for taking the time. Um, it was it was awesome to to chat with you and, and have you on. Well, I appreciate you, Crane. I uh, appreciate your love for Hope Basketball, but most importantly for for basketball in general. You're making a difference in this game with with young kids. And so, anybody out there who's listening is looking to grow their game. Uh, I, I'm a huge Steve Kramer fan, and uh, you spend time with him, you're going to get better. So, and thanks for the opportunity to talk the game, Crane. Appreciate you. Absolutely, you have a. You have an open invitation to, to jump back on anytime. Uh, good luck this basketball season. We look forward to, to following you, uh, rooting for you, cheering, cheering you guys on. And um, for all of you that are, that are listening, um, thanks for listening to the Coach's Edge. Make sure you're following Hope Basketball as well. Great, great follow as you follow their upcoming basketball season. And uh, if you found it beneficial or interested at all about shooting, know somebody wants to get better at shooting, you know, copy this link, send it out to them. Uh, I think they could really find some some benefit and uh, maybe even listen to this one a couple of times. Tons of great nuggets throughout this episode. So thanks again and get after it today. Special thank you to Coach Mitchell for joining the Coach's Edge podcast. I could talk shooting. I could talk basketball with him all day. He's a great coach period, end of story. I can't wait to follow Hope College men's basketball again this season. And with that said, Coach Mitchell is a member. Coach Fretz, who was on the podcast last week, is a member of CoachesEdge.coach, which shuts down for new members at the end of the month. So if you want to gain access to our members-only meetings, our speakers, our presentations, um, our roundtable discussions, as well as get uh, resources at CoachesEdge.coach that are constantly being updated. Every single month, we put new resources on there, whether that's drills, videos, PDFs, playbooks, all of that, and much more. You can gain access to those resources. Essentially, we are another assistant coach for you, and we'll shut it down because we want to serve everybody on the inside as basketball season rolls along. So that's why we shut down membership 
right before that all gets started. If you have questions, please let me know. And as always, get after today.